You're listening to Are You Happy Business Podcast on Captivate. Hi, everyone. It's again Art with the Are You Happy Business Podcast. And today we got a special guest with us, Eric Mass. Welcome. Welcome. Nice to meet you, Art, and nice to meet uh, the virtual audience as well. Great to meet you, Eric, and thank you for joining our podcast today. As per usual, the Are You Happy Business Podcast is dedicated to you and your craft. So who is Eric Mass and what does he do on a daily basis? Oh, very good. Well, okay. So I'm Eric Moss. Um, so I retired from a company called Medtronic a little over two and a half years ago. And um, what I do these days is basically training and consulting of engineers and scientists at a variety of companies, actually about 15 corporations right now. Um, and basically that kind of uh, ties into a little bit of, of a story, I guess. But basically, I was many years ago working at Motorola uh, in a job that I actually found one day I actually did not enjoy. So, you know, every day that I woke up, I had to really push myself to go to work. Um, and it took me a while to realize that I actually was unhappy. And it was a very, um, a very high visibility job. I was senior director and I had you know, a fair number of people, over 100 engineers reporting into me. Um, but I was miserable going to work each day. And so I did a little bit of a self-evaluation, figuring out what was important to me and what really you know, I found was important to me were some certain personal values. And then I checked it and they were not aligned with what I was doing. So I made the assumption or the guess that the reason I was having so much trouble waking myself up each morning uh, to go to work was that what I was doing was not aligned to what was important to me. And so it took me a while, but I modified my job at Motorola. And later on, when I went to Medtronic, found a way to, to align my job with what was important to me. And so basically what I did was when I retire, this kind of carries on. So kind of my enthusiasm for what I do kind of carries over into my work and therefore I enjoy what I'm doing, but it also turns out to be valuable to people. So basically what I do is I show engineers and scientists how to go a step beyond what they learned in engineering school or in their university in sciences and whatever else. What engineers and scientists basically learn in school, and I'll, I'll focus with engineers because that's where my background is, but we learned to look at the world in terms of the challenges of the world, in terms of models, abstractions of reality. Most people in the world, you know, according to the studies actually of Kahneman and Tversky, Kahneman won the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2002, most people approach problems and make decisions based on heuristics, rules of thumb. Engineers learned in addition to, you know, using some of these heuristics, these rules of thumb, like oh, the price is too low, there's got to be a catch, or if I don't know what to do, listen to what the experts tell me to do. In addition to those heuristics, we have another way of model-based thinking. Uh, we, we create a model of something, and then we use that model to help us understand what's going on and what we can do about it. And I guess in a way, what I was talking about with what I did at Motorola when I thought I was unhappy, I created a model for why I was unhappy and created a kind of a uh, a conceptual model of what I needed to do co to go from this unhappy state to a happier state. And that was mostly about aligning it with my, uh, with my values. So basically what I, what I did was say, okay, um, engineers know how to model things, but the models we, we make in engineering are somewhat limited. And most engineers see the value of what we do, but we do not understand that we can take it a step further. 
So the models we make are what we call deterministic models. We assume that the inputs determine the outputs. And that would be a wonderful thing if we controlled all the inputs. So if you controlled all the inputs, you can set all your inputs and get the outcome you want. What I show engineers how to do is to realize that not everything is in the world is in their control. Sometimes there's variation in manufacturing of your product or in the process that's going on. There's variation in how customers use, misuse, abuse what you've given them. And you have to bring that into an account when you develop and manufacture your product. And you can take that same model and take it a step further. Instead of making a deterministic, making it probabilistic. And so that's basically you know, what I've taught uh, engineers at various companies. I did it at Motorola, did it at Medtronic. And it was very, very, um, you know, turned out wonderfully effective. Took some engineers. The engineers is like a light bulb goes off suddenly. That's like one of my happy moments is when I'm teaching somebody or I'm coaching somebody and suddenly the light bulb goes off and they suddenly see all the things they knew. They're still there. They're still useful, but now they can take it a step further. They can take their modeling and make it probabilistic and allow for all the things they don't control. And now they have a solution that doesn't just work when everything's perfect in the happy case of everything being perfect. It also works when things don't quote right, robust against the things you don't control. So that's, so when I retired from Medtronic, um, in October 2020, you know, during the COVID crisis, it's actually kind of interesting to me that, or I'll say this way, I often introduce uh, what happened when I retired. So I retired from Medtronic. There was a week that Medtronic required people under this voluntary early retirement program to retire. And it was like the first week of October 2020. So I accepted the re- volunteer early retirement program offer a burp, burp, that kind of rhymes with burp. So, uh, so I, I accepted the retirement the first week of October. And coincidentally, that's the same, exact same week that my granddaughter, Sophia, was born. So I like to say I was promoted from senior director to grandpa. So, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, pleasantly, shortly after that, uh, now I'm retired, I had uh, some companies contacted me and say, can you do training and consulting in this, I call it predictive engineering, this combination of probability with the engineering modeling. Can you teach it to some of our people? And it kind of blossomed. I've done really no training. Uh, I mean, excuse me, no marketing and sales. I'm lousy at marketing. I'm lousy at sales. I'm lousy at advertising in my own opinion. But I don't have to because people have approached me, word of mouth or people who've been my people I've coached in the past. So I say, hey, I'm now at this other company. Can you bring that to us? Uh, so and then, you know, while I was retired, I had a little bit of extra time. I wrote a book about all this called Flawless Launches Profitable Products. And, um, and some companies have been kind of using that with some of their executives to understand what this is all about. So that's kind of my quick little story of what I do. Eric, that was quite an eventful life that you led. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. Working for Motorola, one of the highlights, I would say realizing that it was not your happiness being there even more even more um, successful in that regard if if you may ask me but the most important question during the podcast is eric happy right now yes i am i'm actually enjoying my semi-retirement i'm not fully retired somebody asked me you you're working you know well i'm not the kind of guy to retire you know maybe some people when they retire you know they're happy um, watching TV, golfing, or maybe traveling to all the places that they never traveled. I'm doing a little bit of traveling, mostly to see my granddaughter and whatever else. But anyway, um, but uh, but 
I'm happy doing things that make a difference, having kind of a purpose. I'm so I like to say that, yes, I'm I, I'm semi-retired. I'm in, instead of being the workaholic, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week. I'm working more like 15 to 30 hours in a typical week, usually t- towards the lower end of the 15 hours, but sometimes closer to 30, sometimes a little bit over that. But I'm doing what I enjoy. I'm doing my hobby. And these crazy people are paying me to do my hobby. So, yes, I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. This is fun for me. And, and I also feel good about what I'm doing. So I, I, have, I feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. That's awesome, Eric. Really, really happy to hear that. I'm wondering, what would you say to someone that is struggling with happiness? What I'd say with struggling with happiness is find some quiet time. And some, you know, some time when you're not going to have much in the way of distraction, you know, calm yourself down a little bit, do something, play some music or, you know, maybe do some meditation, self-hypnosis. Just get yourself into a very quiet frame of mind and then kind of start to make some notes. And, you know, if I was to direct them, you know, I would say, how do you define success? And if you don't have a way of defining success and, you know, society will tell you success is becoming a billionaire. You must become um, Bill Gates or Elon Musk to become happy. No, no, no. I'm, of course, you know, that's not true. But most, many people, I guess, take that as a thing that that's a definition of happiness is having more money, except that we also say money doesn't buy happiness. But no, what is happiness and success for you? And let's say making the word success. We're going to say that success and happiness, maybe they go together. Let's make that assumption for the moment. So how do you define success? If you don't know, then maybe do what I did. Go ahead and do a little bit of an analysis of what's important to you. What are your values? And if you don't know how there's websites, search for how to find your personal values. And there are websites that give you free things. And of course, there's places that you can do it for pay. You can choose whether or not. But try to come down to a small handful, five, maybe five plus or minus one or two, but five things that are important to you, your values, things that are, for me, personal growth, achievement, recognition, creativity, helping others. I made it into a little acronym, parched, like I'm thirsty. Anyway, and, uh, you know, make a little bit of an acronym and then align what you want to do now that you have your definition. So what would make you feel happy and successful in terms of those values? And now you have a direction. And then what's holding you back? What are the barriers that are keeping you? Some of those barriers actually are, frankly, internal to you. Those are things that are holding yourself back. But some of them may be external. So for the things that are within you, work on yourself and help you get to that goal and make a plan to get to that goal of being successful from your own definition. Everybody's definition of success is, in fact, different. And then for those external things, you know, uh, you know, there's the famous saying, you know, God, give me the strength to change the things I can and the uh, and the, you know, the ability to accept the things I can't and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, serenity prayer. Uh, I think I massacred the serenity prayer, but we'll go with it anyway. Uh, and, 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 and go ahead and say, okay, what are the things that I don't control that I must accept and make myself so I still can achieve things despite those things? But what are the things that I, that are external to me that I can kind of come up with a way to deal with the fact that I don't control everything and what can I do about it? And so that would be kind of my recommendation, Art. Where can I start to um, compress all this information, <laughs> Eric? It's been 11 minutes in the podcast, and I said three words. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really, really awesome, Eric. I thank you so much for all this valuable information that you shared with us today. Um, what is next for Eric, though? You've been, you've been doing so many things right now, and I'm wondering what is next. 
Hmm. Good question. Um, I mean, right now I'm mostly doing what I'm doing. I, I have a fair number of corporations. I'm also starting to, you know, start to develop some of this predictive engineering into a curriculum at some universities. Um, I'm helping out Grand Canyon University and Arizona State University, local universities here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, and uh, and I am going to write another book. I've written a book. I said Flawless Launches Profitable Products. I've written a couple of books before that. I'm going to kind of uh, write a book about the manufacturing side of things, mostly because some of my clients, I'm now up to uh, 16 clients, uh, you know, since I retired two and a half years ago with no advertising. So it's kind of cool to me. I'm rather proud of that. You can see my smiling when I talk about that. But some of them have said, you know, so a lot of what you do is working about the product development side. You know, can you talk about the process, the manufacturing process side of that? And so, yes, I can. In fact, I have a little part of my classes where I talk about that. But can I write a book about it? Well, yes, I can. And so I've I've got 50 pages of that book written. I think it's going to be a relatively short book. I'm sorry, I think I'm about a third of the way through that. So it'll be probably about 150 pages when I'm done. So yes, I'm working about working about it. I think it can actually help the manufacturing people because they, you know, manufacturing can be a job that's very fulfilling, but it also can be a very frustrating job because you're oftentimes reacting to things outside your control, which is very much what I'm talking about. It works in manufacturing. Make a model. What are the things inside your control? What are the outside? And then what are the goals you're shooting for? And it turns out there's five things you're shooting for in manufacturing. Most people don't realize they shoot for this or that, but there's five things. And they, sometimes they work aligned and sometimes they're at odds. But if you understand the five things you're trying to achieve in manufacturing, five metrics, I call the manufacturing metrics, then there's a way to optimize your manufacturing process and make yourself not have to react to all the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune quite so often, but can actually make it that things are more smooth running and you know what your goals are and you can achieve those goals, regardless of the things you don't con completely control. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank you, Art. Thank you for having me. Enjoyable day. Everyone, this was Eric Maas with us, a remarkable individual, as we just <laughs> heard the, the podcast. We encourage you to check our previous episodes as well. Until next time, take care and stay happy.